Many of you know, if you've been around North Creek Presbyterian Church for a lot of years, that there is a special tradition here, special habit, and it is one that when I showed up, I thought, wow, this, this is fabulous. This is the most beautiful expression of Presbyterian polity that I've ever encountered anywhere. And that is the tradition for a long time that that elders who serve on the session, and that's our, our elder board, have either three or six year terms, and then comes the time when they rotate off. And at that time, the summer, when they rotate off of the session, they're asked and encouraged to, uh, to preach. And that is because in our tradition, elders and pastors are really both presbyters. That's what Presbyterian means. We are presbyters. We're run by elders. So what a beautiful expression to do that. And this morning, I am so grateful, grateful for Greg Thomas's partnership in, in leadership of this church during his term on session. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. Grateful for him, grateful for his witness to Jesus, and really grateful that he's preaching this morning. So, Greg. Good morning. Our verse this morning is Luke 10, or Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 9. You can follow my reading of this verse in one of the Pew Bibles. I'll be reading an NIV translation. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was, he, he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Thank you, God. My name is Greg Thomas. I've been one of the elders for the last three years, as Pastor David mentioned. I was tasked to equip the finance team and had the fortunate opportunity to work with some great brothers and sisters in Christ. I know I probably didn't prompt you all, but can anybody on the finance team that's here, can you raise your hand so everybody can see who... Now, because I've got the mic, and I'm up here, if anybody has a finance background and you want to be part of that ministry team, I'm in the directory. Many of you know my wife, Jill, right down here. Some of you know my kids, Tyler and Elizabeth. How about raise your hands so everybody knows? I can take responsibility for you kind of thing. Um, and then many of you know my, my uh, or Jill's parents, Jean and Mary Hertzke, and Mary, can you, Mom? And then my uh, sister and brother-in-law are over there. 
Jill and I are also in a Bible study group that meets at Leona Burgess's house. I know Leona's right there. She can wave. <laughs> and if there's anybody else that's in the Bible, cast that Bible study group, Leona, or Leanne. Okay, so I just wanted to connect, introduce myself through these great brothers and sisters here. If you're not plugged into a group, here's another kind of advertisement. If you're not plugged into a group, either a small Bible study or in a ministry team, I would really encourage you to do so because your life will be enriched by that experience. We're in the fourth week of the Art of Neighboring series. First, Pastor David preached about who is my neighbor. Next, Pastor Kurt preached about the fear factor. Last week, Pastor David preached on the matter, it's a matter of time. And today, we're talking about tell me your story, listening. So by the way, did you accept Pastor David's challenge last week, spending 20 minutes neighboring? Anybody want to raise their hand? Who did some neighboring? Come on. I think I might be close, but it's primarily with my neighbor to the west of my house. I'm still working to get to know more about my other neighbors. Jill probably knows them all, but I'm more the introvert, if you remember Pastor Kurt's sermon. I can probably name about two-thirds of them. Hopefully, I'll get there someday. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, active, intentional listening. Giving someone your full attention without distractions and looking at the face of the other person is one of the most tangible ways of showing God's love. That behavior shows someone else that, you, that they are respected and cared about, embodying Jesus' love through your attention. This is a human fact that we all most likely already know, but probably don't always follow, me included. I am a work in progress. If you want to be successful at building a friendship, a relationship, understand another person, or get to know your neighbor, you must take the time to listen to them. I was a soccer coach for elementary school boys once. Tyler was on that team. They had so much energy, and it was a challenge to get them calmed down, talked and talked, and I took some liberties, and I said, guys, guys, do you know why God gave you two ears and one mouth? Well, you get the idea. (laughs) If you want to strike up a conversation, all it takes is a question. Ask them about their story, their landscaping. Have they always lived in Mill Creek? Excuse me. Because God wired a large percentage of us human beings with a compulsion to share facts, stories, news, experiences, Most human beings feel good about a conversation when they've had the chance to tell a story. This exchange of stories back and forth between two individuals is what helps people relate with each other, to get comfortable with each other, to trust each other, or to become better neighbors. Luke doesn't tell us what was shared or discussed between the disciples and the neighbors, but can you imagine the stories that were told. Here's what I hear Jesus telling those disciples as he sends them out into the towns or the neighborhoods. 
We just need to get out there and engage neighbors in conversation to be at peace. God is big enough to take on our worries. Don't be distracted by stuff. Accept hospitality gracefully. Listen actively. Try to understand the other person. And as a result, you'll build a relationship or friendship with your neighbors. Of course, our Creator knows this about us. So Jesus knew this about human beings. The Bible doesn't tell us how he prepared or coached the 72 to be successful. When he sends the 72 out to pave the way for his arrival, dare I say, do some neighboring or building some relationships, he must have given them some coaching or training on how best to relate with another individual. Maybe even a sermon series on the art of neighboring. As I was preparing for the sermon, I read, one of, I read on one of Billy Graham's websites an article called Sharing Your Faith 101. One of the statements he makes is, we earn the right to be heard by first listening to others. We listen first. We learn about their story. We build a friendship. And then when the time comes... We need to be ready to answer their questions about why we love Jesus. In 1999, my company wanted to transfer us to Illinois. Jill and I prayed and prayed. We felt God was leading us to go. At the end of a week-long house search, which we thought we were going to be returning to Seattle without a house and would have to come back for another week of house hunting, we ended up at 4 a.m. in the hospital with Lizzie because she was ill, and we were on our knees saying, why did you send us? A few hours before our flight, we made an offer on this house that you see the red dot. Oh, that's right, Kate. I'm not supposed to look back, but I can't see. Look at the dot, the red dot. We made an offer, and the sellers accepted. That's our Illinois neighborhood. There are numerous faith stories I could tell about how God created a Bible study group in our home the year we moved in that met every other Friday. How God led a husband of one of the ladies to accept Christ into his life after years of the group praying for him. How that husband helped me finish our basement so the kids, because he had a passion for this, could safely meet downstairs for their own Bible study. And how the neighbors, noticing the cars parked every other Friday, gave us an opening, an icebreaker, to talk about God with them. That was all God's doing. That was not ours, especially looking back. But with the theme of neighboring, I want to focus on a story about the house immediately to the, let's see, I'm looking backwards, to the left of ours. A year after we moved in, a new family moved next door. They noticed that people were over at our house every other Friday, and we started to get to know them through conversations in front of the house and over the fence. That is where we met Nick, or Naboja, I believe was his full name. One day he invited me to come over to sit on his deck. It was the first of many incredible conversations. I found out that he and his wife were from Yugoslavia. They left after Tito was gone. He had been in the military at some point, but wouldn't talk about it. Educated to be an engineer, they attended a Serbian Eastern Orthodox church. He shared with me the incredible 
history of that area between Italy and Turkey that included the area he grew up in, Macedonia. Of course, he said it was where the first Christians were, and us Americans, were, we came a lot later, but of course, that was his perspective. Our conversations of faith were laced with his understanding of the geography and the history of that part of the world. Jill has a story that she likes to tell about Nick. One day, Jill was digging a fairly large hole to plant a tree. I was at work in the front yard. Nick arrives home and noticed Jill working hard to dig that hole. Jill does this better than I do, but in a serious tone, he asks, Jill, what are you doing digging such a large hole? It could fit a man. Where is Greg? Where is Greg? Of course, he's laughing. He had the greatest laugh after he said that. One day, we were vacationing in Colorado with Gene and Mary when we got a call from a neighbor, Pam, who was across the street from Nick. It would be down to the street and then over, where that car is kind of pulling in on the left side. Record rain had hit the area around our house, flooding many basements and burning out our sump pump. Pam had a key to the house, went in to check it out, saw the rising water, got a hold of Nick, and together with several other neighbors, caught the failing pump, or caught the, the, the water before our basement flooded. Nick found a store that still had a, a sump pump left, installed the sump pump with Robert, who's directly across from us, and the neighbors together swept the water into the sump pools and loaned us fans to dry our floor so when we got back from Colorado, our basement was dry. On a side note about Pam's husband, Ron, he also saw all the cars parked across the street but he kind of fancied himself as an intellect. And so you can imagine what those conversations on his back deck were like. He was debating with me about my faith. Pam attended a a Protestant church, but Ron had been a Catholic, and he'd kind of gotten a bad taste in his past, so he wasn't attending. But we found out later that um, Pam had convinced him, and he was attending church with his wife. As Jill and I look back, we can see how God was at work in that neighborhood. It's funny how hindsight's 2020. You can see all those things that actually happened. So fast forward to 2006. The Thomas family moves back to Seattle and into Mill Creek at the house on that slide. Here's my current neighborhood, and of course the red dot is our house. The day after Thanksgiving in 2016, I was putting up lights in the front gutter, The ladder, some of you already know about this story. (laughs) Yes. The ladder started to fall, and I jumped off toward the grass, but I'm not as graceful as I was when I was Tyler's age. I hit the pavement, shattered both heels, and broke my wrist. You know, I've got the scars to prove it. All my neighbors were also putting up lights, and they came running to help. There was Russ, who was just around the corner with that blue dot. Lydia's right below him. The gentleman next, I was trying to remember his name. That's one I have to work on. The Wen, who's next to would be the east side. And then the Martins and the Campanas. They all came to help. After the ambulance whisked me away, I was neighbored by firemen. Finishing my lights for me, for us. Notice they had two spotters holding the ladder. You see that? (laughs) 
How much did Greg have? <laughs> yep, they are some of the best, smartest neighbors. It was awesome. So after neighboring with a new roommate about every day at Harborview, I came back to a beautiful ramp my neighbor to the west had built. We didn't know he was going to do it and didn't ask him for the help. He just knew I would need it because I was going to be in a wheelchair for three months. He knows we attend North Creek, sees me coming from church, sometimes with my name badge on if I've forgotten to take it off. And then he states that when he was in the Navy, he visited Jerusalem. Said that anyone that saw what he saw would believe. He doesn't attend church, but says he believes. At this point, we're continuing to work on a relationship with him and waiting for him to ask questions. Then the helps ministry shows up. Jim Anderson and Mark Thompson, as part of the helps ministry, they put that roofing material on so that when Jill was pushing me, she wasn't doing the Barney and Rubble thing, right? (laughs) My sister-in-law decided to put up lights. (laughs) Thank you, Sally. You know, I think all my neighbors at one time helped Jill push me up that ramp. They felt pretty bad for her. Pushing that up. The kids helped. If they saw Jill driving up to the house and saw me in the passenger seat, they were over asking if she needed help. They and many of you brought food, helped with tasks around the house, helped push me up the ramp, offered to drive me places, came to visit me, sent me cards of encouragement, and of course, most importantly, prayed for me. Thank you. It was an overwhelming shower of grace from neighbors, friends, family, and my brothers and sisters here at CPC. Luke, chapter, nine, verse nine, or verse, chapter 10, verse 9. Tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. God is already at work in your neighborhood. You and I just need to get out there. Take the time to listen to your neighbor's stories and get to know them. I would not suggest doing what I did to initiate a conversation with your neighbors. It hurt, honestly. In fact, my surgeon said anyone over 50, especially you guys, anyone over 50 shouldn't get up on a ladder, especially without a spotter. Fireman had three. I had zero. But it did have an effect on my relationship with my neighbors. When I'm walking to the mailbox or out front washing the car or Jill and I are taking a stroll after dinner, frequently my neighbors will ask, how are you doing? Are you completely healed? One neighbor even yelled to her husband who was on the roof, (laughs) loud enough for me to hear, be careful, don't do a Greg. Really? (laughs) Take the time to get out there. Ask your neighbors a question. Know that God is with you. And just listen.